it's like if you could imagine even asking the client like i'm gonna have you sit in this chair in this chair is the energy of this part <laughs> i'd like you to just speak from this part whatever the part says i'd like you to say whatever the part you know thinks i'd like you to sort of express and i'm just going to talk to you as if you are no longer you but you are this part hi dave hi how are you today i'm good how are you natalie i'm doing pretty good it's good to hear. i'm doing all right i have family in town right now which is nice and they come from literally like each side of the united <laughs> states my sister's in california my brother's in new hampshire and currently we're all together in Kentucky. So nice. Yeah. It's nice to see them and have some family time. And currently weather wise, I don't know about you, but it is literally 10 degrees Fahrenheit today where I'm yeah. at. Is it, what is it like where you're at? Cause you're in Arizona. I'm in Arizona. I'm yeah. in the Phoenix Valley, the East Valley in Mesa. And, uh, it's a, it's a, hard cold winter right now it gets down into the 30s <laughs> <laughs> and then it warms right up that's the thing like right now we're, we're having we have like seasons depending on the time of the day uh-huh so it's winter in the morning when you wake up it's pretty cold and then once the sun starts to shine it, it warms up to like fall weather <laughs> uh -huh. and then it gets a little warmer so it's like what like in the 60s or 50s yeah right now day? it's probably mid 60s that's nice yeah that's what you all we stay get. at like during the winter yeah and then it get drops down again at night and gets cold and then mm -hmm. repeat yeah yeah it's like this is the time where everyone's out and everyone's enjoying it because mm. summer is like our winter where you feel like you're harming your children if you tell them to go outside and play. <laughs> because it's like 120 <laughs> degrees it's terrible yeah that, and is it humid there or is it more dry heat dry yeah dry i we like the dry heat i i can't stand humidity but in kentucky we have a lot of humidity <laughs> so when i had visited arizona i was loving life because it was like 95 degrees but it was dry and i was yeah. like i can handle this i still love the dry it's like the shade actually matters. Like if you step in the shade, it actually cools you off. Whereas like, you know, I'm from a humid climate. So it's like, it doesn't matter. You're in the shade. It's gross. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in the sun, it's gross. Yeah. Uh, see, I love the dry, but we have this particularly difficult time of year where we get these monsoons. And so it drops in temperature to like 110 or 105, but then it's like wet and muggy and really unbearable <laughs> yeah when it's super hot and just like wet i just like parts of me get super irritated <laughs> yeah and i will get cranky mm. so yeah i'm a big fan of the dry heat well i'm happy that we were able to connect and yeah. get introduced because i am really fascinated by nifs there's something called direct access which we'll be talking about today and you'll be hosting a workshop about direct access coming up pretty soon. And it's called IFS and Direct Access, the key to unlocking the secret history of parts. And that's going to be on February 2nd from 11 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. EST. Mm -hmm. And 
I'll list in the show notes the link for people to register for for this workshop, but you can go to multiplicityofthemind.com slash workshops to sign up. If you listen to this, you know, our conversation today and you're like, wow, this sounds really interesting if you've never heard of it before, or if you're already an IFS practitioner or therapist and you want to, you know, yeah, attend this workshop with Dave regarding direct access, because I feel like this is a topic in particular, and tell me if you agree, like within the IFS world, where I think people have parts get activated that are kind of like, Ugh, this feels kind of weird or yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, it feels a little bit different because it's out. It, the process is outside of the standard norm that we, even that we teach IFS in. You know, you know, close your eyes, go inside, notice a part, and, and there's all like the person's self is this intermediary between you kind of the therapist on the outside talking to the self that's then talking to the parts and and even that feels a little bit more congruent i guess with the way that often we're traditionally trained in like talk therapy mm -hmm. but direct access is more experiential right not everyone gets that type of training yeah i remember in the level in my level one i was introduced to direct access in some other trainings that I had taken before getting into a level one. But there were for sure parts of me that got activated during the level one training. They were like, okay, now it's time to practice direct access. There were parts of me that were like, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I, I think that could like, that could even be like a theme of level one. <laughs> level one parts got activated. Yeah. <laughs> Meeting your own parts. Yes, I mean, yeah. for sure. <laughs> That's exactly what it was for me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm excited to get into talking about direct access yeah, on me too. here with you. And But first, you know, I, I want to know, how did you get introduced to IFS? Great question. And <clears throat> the answer to that kind of segues into the direct access topic. I'm a uh, marriage and family therapist. So I went to school for MFT and I had, um, I remember one day, oddly, I vividly remember this for some reason, but we had a, a fairly small cohort. It was like 14 of us and we were all pretty close. And one day, one of my fellow students came into the, our little cohort room where we would wait before we would see clients and kind of gather and chat and stuff. And they said, oh, I have this book. It's called Internal Family Systems. And in my head, I was hearing the title of that book and I was thinking of it as, as one thing <laughs> that mm -hmm. it, it turns out it wasn't. And my brain couldn't get past it, like being this one thing, like where we internalized versions of our family of origin. Uh-huh. And though certainly there is some of that in IFS. So when I started reading the book and I don't, reading is not my top skill. <laughs> so um, it wasn't available like on audio. So I just kind of paged through some of it and it wasn't clicking with what I was thinking it was going to be. So I just kind of like tossed the book aside and held on to it for a while. Fast forward a few years, I took a job in Pennsylvania where I'm from and for a very large drug addiction treatment center. But the job that I had at the time uh, was part of this unique aspect of this large drug treatment center that wasn't addiction specific. It was called Breakthrough. 
And the breakthrough program was a five-day personal growth workshop that a lot of times because it was associated with this recovery center, uh, care and treatment centers, um, a lot of people that came through were in recovery, but it was people that had been in recovery for a good amount of time. And then uh, because the program had been around for 30 plus years, a lot of local therapists on the East Coast would refer clients that just needed some like personal growth mm -hmm. <laughs> and a good five-day workshop. So it was co-ed, it was experiential, it was emotionally focused. And um, I had to learn <laughs> through experience how to do psychodrama, how to do, how to run the, these groups. And it was no longer sitting down with one person. It was being in a group full of people. And rather than doing what they call like a fishbowl style of, of talk therapy or each person taking turns sharing, it was, okay, you want to look at anxiety, ask someone in the group to represent your anxiety, mm -hmm. show them where, where to stand in the room and the body posture to take that shows them your anxiety. Yeah. Speak for your anxiety. What does it sound like when, if, if, if your anxiety were, were to talk, what would it say? And they would stand there and they would speak for it. And, and then maybe we'd get another person to represent something else or do family constellation. Like, don't tell me about your family of origin. Ask someone to represent mom, ask someone to represent dad and use this space in the room to show emotionally what it was like to be in the, to be mm -hmm. with them. So that experience, I struggled a little bit with the clinical foundations of psychodrama. It takes a lot of creativity and yeah. sometimes I have it. And sometimes I've got parts that are a little bit more like practical and, mm -hmm. and um, like, where's the clinical foundation? Teach me the clinical foundation. Then I can kind of do something with that. Yeah. So it was very open <laughs> And one day I, in this personal growth workshop, we would co-lead groups. Mm -hmm. So it would be me and one other, per, one other therapist leading this group of usually like eight to 10 participants. And uh, this guy that had been working there forever, his name was Randy. And uh, Randy got up and he did this psychodrama. This person wanted to look at uh, a topic. And so he was kind of walking this person through and representing different parts of him. And there were like these protector parts that were standing in front and then had represented this, this exile, what I now know is an exile. Yeah. And I saw this thing and I looked at it and was like, this makes so much, everything you just did made so much sense to me. And it was beautiful and it was powerful and it was poignant mm -hmm. and um, it just clicked. And I was talking to him afterwards and I was like, what did you just do? <laughs> and he had, he had mentioned attending a, a, a training where someone that um, knew IFS and also was very well-versed in psychodrama put this training together and he did, he went to it. That person was na is named uh, Adrian Glasser. She was an IFS person from New York. Mm -hmm. Now she lives out in LA. So he said, this is internal family systems. And I was like, oh, I have that book. <laughs> Oh, it's and that I one book, that one that yeah. I, <laughs> the one that I wasn't really all that interested in. So I went home and, and read the, the book again. I like read it all in like one night. And that's when it just, you know, like, like you've heard. From like it clicked most people yeah. on your podcast here and people that you get to know. It's like, once I learned about IFS, it just clicked in a way and I just 
try to absorb as much as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. So it was like all the pesty trainings, right. all the videos. I went to see uh, Dick do um like a one day training in New York City, and you know it wasn't long after that that I started signing up for level one. And then level two, and then presenting at the national conference. And the difference was when I went to level one, that was the only time that I was able to sit down with another person and say, close your eyes, go inside and mm-hmm. do a, a traditional IFS session. When I was done with my level one, I went back to work for breakthrough and was having to find a way to integrate this model that's traditional psychotherapy where you sit down with one person and and bring it to life with a group and make it yeah make it experiential mm-hmm. and so you know that was like five years of figuring out how to take this model and and bring it from the inside out yeah so I did some some trainings um or some presentations for psychodrama like combining going to the national conference of psychodrama and bringing IFS to them. And then eventually to the IFS national conference doing that. I had a friend of mine who, a colleague that brought a flavor and training of trauma informed treatment, Mm -hmm. which psychodrama really needed an update on. So she was trained and got trained in sensory motor psychotherapy. Mm Mm-hmm. And I got trained in IFS and we took these two things and tried to combine them with psychodrama to make a really well honed in trauma informed experiential experience. Yeah. And did it work? Yeah. Worked really well. Yeah. (laughs) That's really cool. Yeah. And the way you described you know, before really understanding or knowing about parts work in IFS and then having the psychodrama, I understand what you're saying. I think where, cause I almost felt this way before I, you know, came across IFS as well as a therapist where it's like, you're able to see kind of like all these, now we call them parts within a client or group that you're working with. But before having kind of like that structure of like, oh, protectors, wounded parts, Okay. Oh yeah. These are the exiles. It could feel, I know for me kind of like, okay, it's just like this jumble and it's like, okay, well, what are, where do we really, what do we do with it? And so I really felt like IFS gives a really great structure Mm -hmm. where it is very open and it does help knowing, like being able to look at ourselves and look at the people that we're working with in terms of these different parts and then also self-energy. So it sounds like for you, yeah, that you coming across IFS, having a history of psychodrama, it kind of was like the thing that you were maybe like missing that like kind of, I don't want to say like last piece, but like a piece that was missing in like the puzzle that helped it all kind of, would you say like, yeah, make more sense? Yeah. In both categories, because from the IFS perspective, I watched it in 3D Mm. and that just really honed in on how I learn or someone showed it to me in a very visual way. And they do that a lot in level ones where um, I know a lot of the level ones that I've PA'd for, they've done some sort of like constellation. They've taken like a moment to do a demo that's like uh, sculpted, as we say, where uh, they show it 
Um, like someone's uh, representing like the part. Yeah. 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 And then they'll have someone else come up and represent. They'll talk about a part they want to look at. And then another part will show up and then someone will come in. Yes. So it, it painted a very beautiful picture of the model of IFS in a very visual way, which helped me rather than trying to read it off the page of a book. I'm very then, much a learner of doing and seeing as well, rather than just reading. So, yeah. And then having something that I, that I could really hold on to as far as um, utilizing that in the psychodrama aspect too was, was really helpful. Yeah. It's very neat. It's, I mean, for me, when I, and we'll get into obviously talking about what is direct access. There might be people listening right now. They're like, what are they talking about? Uh, but it, it's it's been for me as both a person connecting with my own parts and as a therapist helping people connect with theirs. It's just this like, it is an essential skill yeah. that I think for sure as a practitioner, a therapist, you know, when you're doing IFS work, it's a it's an important skill set to have and to work on and to practice because like you mentioned before, doing the self-depart insight piece of IFS is great. And it's not always going to be the thing in the moment. That's going to be the best way to connect with parts. Yeah. And what I found that it being forced into that type of using the model, it really gave it a relational component, mostly because I was talking, I spent almost all of my time talking to parts. Mm -hmm. And what it helped me do is become very conversational with parts. And that's as a, as a consultant working with, with um, people learning the model, that's something that I see is uh, is a growing edge, you know, naturally when you learn something new, it feels kind of, you know, robotic in the beginning and, mm -hmm. and, um, you're trying to like, remember the steps and do all that. But even beyond that, what I find is really great therapists are, <laughs> that are also just really great people that are very sociable and friendly or, engaging in conversation. I'll just sit and talk to these people about their day, about who they are, about their friends, about, you know, what's going on. And then when they get into therapy mode, it's like something switches mm. and they lose that very unique, personal, sociable, I think self-led aspect of them when they're trying to, to walk through the model mm -hmm. and doing direct access kind of forces you to just have a conversation like, yeah, hi, <laughs> it's nice to meet you. Tell me a little bit about, tell me a little bit about you. I, I have so-and-so over here. This person calls you the angry monster. Do you like being called that? You know, like, what's that like for what, what do you want me to call you? And then having that conversation yet also taking it through the six F's of like, okay, so that one, the one of them is befriend. And I think that's something that we really, like we say the word, but there's so much depth to that mm -hmm. phrase of befriending. Like, are you actually spending time yeah. with the part and yeah. really befriending it? Like you would a person. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I'm in a, a, right now I'm 
peeing for a level two for Frank Anderson. And something that came up that was said when he was doing a demo with one of the um, staff was the person afterwards, we were talking about it. And the person who went through the demo was like, yeah, I could tell that I've got, she said, I have a really good BS meter and I could tell there was no BS when Frank was doing this direct access demo oh. with me. And that's part of befriending is like not BSing and yeah, and being able to authentically say like, you know what? I genuinely care about what it's like for you. And I'd love to hear more about when you show up, how long mm -hmm. have you been showing up? Like getting into that space of, I genuinely want to understand this part better. And I genuinely mm -hmm. want to help the relationship between this part and this person. Right. So let's get into what is direct access? Like if you were to define it, yeah. how would you define direct access? Direct access is quite simply speaking directly to a part. And insight is talking to the self, hopefully, <laughs> of, <laughs> of a client or person and kind of running that conversation with the part through this through the self you know so hey do you notice that part how do you feel towards that part can you ask that part you know this or does that make sense to you okay let that part know this right so a lot of the 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 interaction is appropriately being had between the person's self you're trying to sort of moderate and navigate and help facilitate that self depart relationship. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so with direct access, there's two different types as well. Yeah. There's implicit and explicit. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about first implicit. What is yeah. implicit direct access? I guess the way to describe the difference between, between those two is implicit direct access is having a conversation with the part and the person doesn't know that you're having a conversation with the part. It's, right. You're just tracking and noticing these different parts and you're having conversations, you know, as the clinician or your assessment is, Oh, this sounds like a part. This doesn't feel like a lot of self energy. So I'm just knowingly going to engage directly with this part. A lot of that happens in the beginning of sessions Mm -hmm. where, you know, someone comes in, they sit down and you say, how was your week? Well, you'll never believe what happened. This is <laughs> my mom did this, or my spouse did this, or my kids are doing this. And they're, they're describing their experience from their part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're blended. Yeah. So some of the initial stages of the model is tracking that letting that kind of go and just kind of seeing what shows up and that sort of assessment phase. And then there's those little moments where you're sort of dropping in like, okay, so, wow, that sounds really tough. Do you notice any parts showing up around that? Or, you know, it sounds like there might be something in, and it's a good kind of self assessment because mm -hmm. eventually like sometimes some of your clients will just be like, yeah, I know that that's my, that's my frustrated part. Like, I know that that's the part or they'll, they'll wreck it. They'll know that they're doing that. And then you kind of shift into insight. Mm -hmm. If they're not able to see that, then 
you know, you kind of just go along with talking directly to that part still. So with implicit, this is where <laughs> I noticed for me, parts of me during like the level one training got like, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious, like to, to kind of <laughs> look at because when you think about it, you were, well, I don't know. I don't want to say like, I guess a part of me just now was like, yeah, that's not really true about your, what you're about to say, but like, so implicit direct access is kind of the therapy in which you might already have been doing before IFS, but not necessarily maybe knowing that you were like mapping specific parts. Yeah. You're just kind of with the person, like you were saying where they're at, blended with certain parts of them maybe a parts a part that's frustrated or anxious or angry whatever and the person's mm -hmm. talking yeah you know blended with that energy and as a therapist or a provider you're sitting with them and that's where i look back at like before i knew about ifs i could see where oh okay i would then just kind of like just keep going along mm-hmm with it, you know, and, and having yeah. that conversation back and forth, but not necessarily understanding on this deeper level of, oh, okay. So piecing out the parts individually and to then be able to help invite a level of unblending. It was more of just, okay, we're just going to keep talking ab about it. And, and, you know, that can be helpful sometimes. Cause I think even that can sometimes lead to some unblending. Yeah. But it can also just lead to more activation. Yeah. And it, yeah. And there's the part that just wants to say like unblending is basically just like self-awareness. Right. So yeah, a lot of times we're, we're trying to like get somebody to be self-aware of the, you know, in a CBT kind of way. It's like, if you're using like that, like a cognitive behavior, model you're like oh there's a cognitive distortion there's a cognitive distortion there's something that might not be true like there's something that feels a little more loaded than maybe you know or you know in other models it's like oh there's you know there's a trauma response like they're like mm -hmm. that likely comes from the trauma they've been through that belief is like a belief that comes from trauma you know yeah and so in, in non-IFS, different models have different ways of like navigating through all that. Mm -hmm. In IFS, you know, it's leaning into that belief rather than trying to get them to realize that they shouldn't be feeling it or, or seeing it. Yeah. I think where parts of me got activated when being introduced to implicit direct access, it was kind of like, it's almost like when you think so hard about something that you've naturally done. <laughs> yeah. And then parts start <laughs> yeah, to get yeah, like yeah. overcomplicated. And then you're like, wait, yeah. how do I ride a bike? <laughs> you know, like you're used to just riding a bike, but then you like get really into like the really understandings of what do you do with your feet, you know? And then that can like trip you up. And That's so, right. That's yeah. a really beautiful way to put it. Cause implicit yeah. direct access is really just noticing what's going on noticing right. the parts you know trying to find a way to say it without saying parts but it's so hard to do that now <laughs> right <laughs> but it's just like it's noticing those those different psychological 
patterns? Is it is it up? Is it down? Is it hyper aroused? Is it hypo aroused? What beliefs are there? Noticing their body. What are the, what's their body doing? You know, those are all things that, depending on what we're trained in, we're always looking for for those cues of, of what what are the patterns here. And implicit direct access is just walking down the road with that perception and knowing that you're walking down the road with that perception to say, okay, tell me more, say more about that. What's going on there? Yeah. Because most people, especially with those parts that are, have that energy where they're like pushing or feels like that tidal wave of, of energy, mm -hmm. it often gets met in their, you know, probably day-to-day -day relationships with pushback or collapse. And so we're trying to, to be with it, to not let it bulldoze us over. Mm -hmm. But we're also not creating that pushback, that that collision that they probably get in their relationships outside of uh, therapy. Yeah. So kind of like modeling in a, a spaciousness of <clears throat> compassion and self-energy yeah. of that kind of that self-container of it's okay that your parts are here and they might not yeah. necessarily have that awareness in that moment of I'm speaking from this part of me specifically, but for this, the other person, the guide, the practitioner, the therapist to have that awareness of, okay, yeah, right now I'm hearing from this part within this yeah. person that I'm with and I can create that, yeah, that, that, that spaciousness for this one and all the ones that are here. And like you said, not reject it or try to change it or even like even blend with it and kind of yeah. amp it up even more. Yeah. It's, and the thing like yeah. implicit direct access, you're probably like you're doing it every session. Right. <laughs> whether you're aware of it or not, whether you're doing it effectively or not is a different story. But every session is has some element of implicit direct access. That's Whether right. you're using IFS or not, like we would probably look at, you know, if we watched video of other other models doing other things, we we'd probably look at it and say, oh, that's implicit direct access. Right. Just about every therapy, talk therapy session that occurs. Exactly. And I guess would you say a goal or a I guess a hope in doing implicit <laughs> direct access is that eventually at some point you you I guess you can help invite the other person to bring awareness on their end that it is a, a specific part that has been there and then yeah. kind of helping to invite that shift from implicit direct access to then a place of insight. Yeah, that's usually that's like probably the standard form of the model. You're in implicit direct access and then you make at some point you make that transition. You find that part they're talking about it and you, you know, you set up that target, uh, you set up that agreement to say like, okay, which we have all these parts, mm -hmm. you've been mentioning this, this, and this, which one of these parts, or you can say patterns, some, some people don't like to use parts language in, yeah. in their sessions. So they find other creative words to say, but essentially it's like, we have all these parts, which one would you like to contract? That's the word. You make mm -hmm. that contract and you focus in on on one of them. Then it's okay. Go inside, in whatever way feels natural to you. Notice that part as it shows up. What do you notice? And mm -hmm. so that's that transition. You're transitioning out of that implicit direct access into it. 
Yeah. And I suppose if I'm, you know, thinking about it a little bit more, there may be clients that have been doing this long enough and aren't particularly blended with the part and they come in and they just sit down they say, hi, I have this part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to look at it, you know, but generally speaking, you come into a session and someone's going to like fill you in on what happened throughout the week and right. you'll notice parts there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you for breaking that down. Cause sure. yeah, it, it's, it's helpful to have that kind of deeper understanding of implicit, even though, yeah, it is something as a provider, we do most likely, like you said, every single time we're sitting with someone, but yeah. it is just interesting to have this deeper understanding of what that is. Yeah. So now let's get into explicit direct access, which Let's is like one for me that I really enjoy. And so I'm, I'm excited to hear you talk about it as well. So yeah. What is explicit direct access? Yeah. So explicit direct access is just direct access in which you are, I, in some ways gaining consent <laughs> from the person to specifically talk directly to a part. Like you're telling them, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> and then you just talk directly to the part, you know, in kind of, and, and the person speaks from that part. The it's kind of like an acting. Say, yeah. You know, it's that sort of gestalty, empty chair type thing, mm -hmm. or, you know, even, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting because when you hear Dick Schwartz talk about how he created the model, he often will say in the beginning, when people were representing this parts, I did this sort of thing where they'd sit in a different chair and he's like, and that got too like clumsy and clunky. So I just had them go inside and do it. And, you know, as we see Dick Schwartz do IFS, it's a very surgical yeah. and intentional and efficient way of, of using the model. So I could see why he, if he was doing that experiential form in the beginning, why that quickly transitioned into something that was much more streamlined. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's like, if you could imagine even asking the client, like, I'm going to have you sit in this chair in this chair is the energy of this part. <laughs> I'd like you to just speak from this part, whatever the part says, I'd like you to say whatever the part, you know, thinks I'd like you to sort of express. And I'm just going to talk mm -hmm. to you as if you are no longer you, but you are this part. How is some unfettered, unencumbered ability for that part to be heard? Right. To finally say, you know, because a lot of times these parts are quieted down by other parts. They never really get to be heard or sometimes they get to be heard, but, but the person that's on the receiving end isn't going to be so gracious <laughs> with their anger or their, you know, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So they get rejected quite often. Yeah. And so what would be a reason why? someone would invite explicit direct access and inviting us, you know, a person that they're working with to embody a part. Why, what would be yeah, the reasons to make that type of shift? That's a great question. If you're in a level one, the answer to that question is more often than not, more often than not in, in level one training, you're going to hear something along the lines of when, when clients are blended with parts, we use direct access when they don't have access to their self and you can't get that self to part relationship, that is when we use especially explicit direct access. Mm -hmm. Now that is true. That is like the 
skill and thing to use in a session when someone does not have access to self-energy and you cannot get that self-depart relationship set up. Um, then in, you get to use your own self-energy to explore and understand um, what's going on and why these parts are blended. Mm-hmm. And, you know, more importantly, what their fears are about unblending. The thing I will add to that is what I find as a consultant is it's like break glass when there's an emergency and use this tool. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, leave it behind the glass and don't touch it. <laughs> yeah. And what I found is that not only because of the form of direct access is different, sometimes strange to non-experiential therapists, Mm -hmm. that there isn't this simple comfort with using the skill. And if you have, like you said, like riding a bike, imagine if riding the bike is like out here, there's a lot of mountain biking and these like trails that run through the desert and should you go off trail, you're going to end up in a cactus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine it's like, you're going to learn this skill that's new and different. And the consequences are ending up in a cactus and falling <laughs> off a cliff. <laughs> it's scary. So what I invite people to do, and we'll say this in the training as well, um, workshop, that uh, use it all the time. Use it with when, when is a good time to use it whenever you want. Yeah. (laughs) And especially if you're learning direct access, if it's new to you, use it with your most comfortable, connected, well-adjusted client that you have, because you will learn how to be flexible. You'll be able to veer off the path a little bit and get yourself back on because if you veer off this path, it's nice and wide and there's grass. <laughs> there isn't a cactus waiting for you right. to like go breeding into. And you can make mistakes and you can fumble with the transitions, transitioning into direct access, mm-hmm. sometimes transitioning out. Like it's kind of weird. Like, yeah, Hi, I was yeah. just talking to this part of you. Now, can I talk to you? <laughs> like, right. <laughs> it's that simple at times, but it can feel a little odd. Mm-hmm. And like so many things in the IFS model, having that confidence, we talk about like the hope merchant stuff of the model yeah. where you're, you're saying like, no, like we, we can go to this part. Like I understand that fear. And whenever you're ready, I know that this part won't overwhelm or if it does, we'll, we'll be there to help. Having that confidence of going into something can calm the person's system. Right. And so my own experience of doing direct, explicit direct access almost exclusively through the first five years of doing this model really helped me with that flexibility and that comfort of just, mm-hmm. just like, hey, we're going to do something. It's going to seem kind of weird, but come <laughs> along with me because it's going to yeah. help. <laughs> That's how I, I, I'll sometimes introduce it that way yeah. uh, of kind of like, this might feel a little strange or it might sound a little weird. Right. Um, it, it's kind of like acting and do you care, do you feel open or are there parts of you that are nervous about trying this this way? And I will say like when the times where I've invited this to a client that I'm working with specifically clients mm-hmm. and, and their systems open to it, doing this explicit direct access, it's so fascinating to me how much information 
is presented Yes. when let's say they are trying to connect with a part with insight and it's just not connecting. Mm -hmm. There's not enough, like, I guess, self-energy there and the part, I don't know, you know, various reasons. And then we kind of, yeah, switch to this explicit way and then it, it just, blah, it comes out. Yep. It comes out through their mouth, you know, as they're connecting with this, this part energy and it's fascinating and it's really beautiful. Yeah. You really get to befriend the part in a very direct way where there yeah. isn't this intermediary of me self part. I mean, ultimately that is the goal of the model. You know, the goal of the model is to create that self to part relationship and to sort of let us, the, the clinician in this sense, or, or, you know, coach like sort of drift a little bit further back. Mm-hmm. It's almost like in couples therapy, it's like, you know, I can have a great relationship with each partner, but at some point in time, uh, you need to like mend that relationship and have those two be in that relationship. And so, yeah, a lot of what we're trying to facilitate is self to part. So it's, it's a transit transitionary step in the model, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, it is at some times couched as this like, keep it behind the glass and break it if it if you if you need it in case of an emergency but developing that skill in the meantime uh, can be really helpful to understand these parts and and really get to know them on a very uh deep level especially if you're following you know the success and mm-hmm. you know Frank Anderson describes beyond the success you know yeah the, the repair that can happen Right. And I love that. Yeah. You're bringing up that it doesn't have to be this emergency tool that we use as a last yeah. resort, that it's okay to offer this as a way to befriend the parts. Yeah. Even if there is self-energy there, you know, that this can be a deeper way even to yeah. really get to know these parts. And I mean, I will say, I feel like it, it adds, I was going to say the word fun, and it's, I don't mean that in terms of like, oh, like, ha, 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 this is fun, you know, but it's because, you know, there's definitely moments where someone's speaking, you know, as this part and it's very, very intense emotionally. Yeah. And so I guess when I say fun, I mean, it, it's creative and that's yes. a self-energy quality, both yeah. for the guide and for the client. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of puts you a little bit more into the system. Whereas, you know, sometimes in, in insight, it can present itself a little bit more of like, like I'm on the outside of the system. I'm looking in, I'm directing, I'm connected, but I'm not sort of in there kind of like looking around like, who's here? Oh, you're here. Can I talk to you? Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Like, tell me a little bit about you. Like it it does kind of bring you into the system a little bit more and let you sort of like look around and get to know them. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, one thing that I had written down that I was curious just to see what you had to say about it. And cause you know, this whole time we've been talking mainly about how to use direct access in like a therapy room or yeah. a consultation space. What I'm curious about is maybe how can someone maybe who's listening, who's either not in therapy or is not, you know, a provider of some kind, but they're listening to this and they're like, oh yeah, like this makes a lot of sense. This is interesting. How I guess could we use this 
concept of direct access with parts in our everyday life as we are encountering our partners, our friends, our coworkers. What are your thoughts on them? Yeah. Similar to what we said before, it's like, you're just using it, whether you're usually using it well <laughs> or effectively in your life, you are interacting with people's parts. You are having conversations with them. Right. So it's like, you know, within the context of a, of a therapy model, it's like, it's a skill and tool to use in the process of IFS. But outside of that, it's, it's, it's just talking to human beings. Like if you're talking to human beings, like they've got parts and you're going to end up talking to them. Right. And so that to me is less about like the actual utilization of direct access and more of, how do I say this? If you understand the concepts of IFS, you can learn to do direct access very like fluidly in your relationships to improve them. Mm. And if you're doing that and you're aware of it and you happen to be an IFS <laughs> practitioner, that's going to help you be better at direct access in the therapy room. Mm. I think a lot of the skill behind direct access, like there's, there's some technicalities. There's like, how do I start it? You know, right. in a therapy room, like how do I start using direct access? Um, and then once I'm, once I've gotten through the steps, uh, like the six Fs, once I've befriended this part, the other thing is like, how do I then transition from that out of it? And those are all like technical, like therapy mm -hmm. stuff. But in the real world, it's just, do I see people through this lens of compassion for mm -hmm. the, the, like the multiplicity of them? And so that's just as simple as like when my spouse is annoyed with me and and talking to me like oh i'm this isn't the whole of her this is just the part that needs to hear like needs to say this thing and so can i be with this person can i be with this part in in a way that doesn't push back against it but lets them say what they need to say yet also contain some of it to say, you know, okay, I understand that you're angry. That makes sense to me. I totally get that. If you're able to share this with me in a different way, I can hear it better. Yeah. Or even just having that awareness of, okay, in this moment, yeah, this part of my partner is extremely annoyed with me or frustrated. And yeah. I feel like having just that awareness of like, oh, yeah, like you said, like this is a part of them. This isn't all of them. It's a part of them. Yeah. And it might be really strong and activated in that moment. And I feel like just having that ability to see this multiplicity within another person, it helps us as the awareness person not get blended and hijacked with some of our own parts that then could be getting triggered by, let's yeah. say, our partner's anger towards us or frustration and we might still have those parts getting activated within us and they might still be there, but we're not overcome by them. And then all of a sudden we're in this fight match screaming, you know, uh, or yeah. going into shutdown that there can still be this spaciousness there and that compassionate understanding for, okay, this is what's happening within them. I'm bringing awareness to what's happening within me and whatever that might lead to of like, maybe we just need to like 
acknowledge, okay, maybe we need to take some time to just breathe and I'm yeah. going to go in this room, you stay in this or whatever, you know? Uh, but, but yeah, I have found that, yeah, having this understanding has helped so much in just everyday life of, yeah, you know, even when you're out in public, right. And let's say you're in a long line at the grocery store and you witness someone getting activated with frustration <laughs> And instead of maybe getting activated again, like with your own activation from witnessing that other person's parts energy, it's like, again, you can be with it with a sense of calmness and understanding. I think about it also with like road rage, you know, if like someone like, I use this example a lot on here where I'm like, if someone cuts me off or like does something near me in a car, you know, and it's like, oh, okay. All right. Yes. It doesn't take away the fact that maybe they did engage in an an action that could have possibly been risky or whatever, but I can also have that understanding of just kind of that openness of like, I don't know what they're going through and I don't know what, what parts of them maybe are activated in this moment in time. So it definitely helps with, yeah. Yeah. Bringing a connection to our self-energy qualities while still obviously having awareness of what parts of us are getting activated. Sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, an important question to be asking in the, ultimately in the therapy model, but also in real life is what is the fear? What is the fear that this part is holding on to? What's the story behind it? What's the secret history? Mm -hmm. What is the, story of this part that makes this reaction make sense and so you know in the in the therapy room when we're doing direct access it's ultimately you know getting befriending that part so that they are comfortable sharing with you the fear that they hold Mm -hmm. sometimes that takes five minutes (laughs) sometimes it takes 30 seconds sometimes it takes you know months of direct access yeah but it's like how do i help this part see that i care enough to be with it to hear it that they can trust me Mm -hmm. with this information with its pain with its history and and eventually you know when that part feels comfortable enough sharing that then then it will yeah That's beautiful. And again, I'm grateful that we were able to have this conversation today about direct access and, and all of its beauty of it. And in regards to the workshop coming up, that's on February 2nd, Mm -hmm. anything you want to share with the listeners about uh, the workshop itself in terms of goals or intentions um who is it open to is it open to anyone regardless of whether they are ifs trained or whether they're even a therapist um yeah what would you like people to know about the workshop coming up yeah it's open to people that use the ifs model regularly and know what direct access is referring to if uh if this is the the first foray into IFS, you're going to feel quite lost. If you've never heard of direct access, you know, now, now you know a little bit more about it listening to this, but yeah, you, it, 
might feel a tiny bit lost, but if you're saying, I want to get better at, at direct access, I want to utilize this skill better and, and understand it more completely and practice it, then this is a good workshop for you. Great. And again, people can go to multiplicityofthemind.com slash workshops to sign up for that. And again, that's going to be held on February 2nd, starting at 11 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. EST. And I'll put the link in the show notes so people can click on that as well. And anything you'd like to share, anything else you'd like to share with the listeners regarding anything you are providing, services, other workshops, whatever it might be. Um, I do consulting for IFS practitioners that want to get certified. So uh, you can find me at my website, uh, therapywithdave.com. If you're interested in that, Um, also do individual and couples uh, work. And you can also find that there on the website too. Wonderful. Yeah, I'll put your website in the show notes as well. And yeah, again, I'm really grateful that we were able to spend this time together and dig into direct access. And I hope people listening who this workshop is relevant for that they sign up because you're very well versed in direct access, which is an essential skill to Mm -hmm. have and to practice. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, give it a rating and leave a review. You can also follow me on Instagram at Natalie Deering and sign up for my newsletter on my website, ndwellnessservices.com to receive updates about podcast episodes, workshops, and more.